Welcome to the Veritas Church Equipping Podcast. That's right, we're in the podcast game now. I'm Nathan Kalpeck, and who who are you? I'm Matthew Morkin. Wow. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here too. How did we end up doing this? Why are we doing this? We really just want to equip. I mean, we are in that time of social distancing and living through this COVID-19 situation and trying to figure out, like, how do we shepherd our people in the gaps? And so uh, some people might miss church on Sunday, and we miss the church as well throughout the week. And so it's just an opportunity for us to shoot the breeze. So, And listen, even if in six months you're not quarantined at home. You can still learn and benefit from the things we're talking about. So if we say things like, don't hoard your toilet paper, still don't do that in six months, guys. We're just trying to help you out, okay? And Nathan, let's just say it. Six months? I know. Okay, longer. Uh, it could be longer than six months no, for sure. No, that, that, that was the wrong way. <laughs> I wanted to go shorter. Like, maybe we could handle six weeks. Oh, I, six I know a salt director who's got an 18-month plan right now. Really? Yeah, that dude is, but he's next level. I Yep. That's next level. He's amazing. Okay, today we're talking about missional living, kind of in general for us as a church, but also specifically in this in this time with the virus, when currently today, as we're recording this, um, we're not under any kind of state lockdown, but we are encouraged to have social distancing, people are working from home, there are confirmed cases in our city. Uh, so we have a special guest with us today. Um, he's an expert on all things <laughs> missional living. Um, this this guy's got it together. He's got all of our answers, right? Can you introduce yourself? My name is Jake. Yep. That's as flashy as it gets. <laughs> but he's not wearing sweatpants as we record, so that's a that's a win for all of us. <laughs> Jake, we we're excited for you to to help shape our thinking on this. Um, this is the kind of stuff that we talk about in sermons regularly, but we we love that we get just a set of time to talk with our people about how do we apply these things specifically with missional living. And one of the things I want you to do for us in this time is to even shape our picture as a church of where we're going. Lots of places, lots of good things we could do, but what are the few things we're trying to do as a church? So we'll get there. First, can you guys help me just sort of define what we're talking about when we when we say church and missional living or local missions. What are, what are some of just the categories of how churches choose to go about this? Jake, you've been a pastor for, you know, a while now. Talk us through what you've seen. Yeah. Um, let me point out the early sarcasm to my mastery of this is, I think one of the reasons why it weighs so heavy on my heart is because of my, my own inadequacy of, of applying this and living this out. But so clear in scriptures, and we want it to be a part. Um, I want it to be a part of my life, but we want it to be definitely a part of our our church's life um, when it comes to being people who don't just attend church and read our Bibles, but we're living our lives on mission. So when it comes to the way churches have approached missional living, so to speak, is there going to be an approach of like having mercy ministries where how do we food banks and school help and all those kind of things fall in mercy ministries? Churches in the past have focused on uh, when it comes to local missions, more evangelistic ministries like door-to-door evangelism and tracts and doing that. Uh, some churches have taken a church-owned programming of it. Um, other churches have taken an approach of community partnerships where this exists. Let's just equip and empower them. And so there's a lot of different approaches churches take towards how do we help our people think outside themselves and live on mission. So there, there are these clear commands from Scripture, but a lot of different ways to apply it. And a lot of ways that could be good. Definitely some that are less helpful, maybe even some historically that we've seen like, oh, that didn't accomplish its goals. 
But as we're all looking at scripture together, we're seeing a lot of different ways this could be applied, right? So we as a church can't do everything. If we try to do everything, we're not going to do anything well, for sure. That means we're going to have to say no to some good things to say yes to other things, right? What, what are we trying to do as a church? What are we saying yes to? Well, that's one of the things that's so interesting is because there are a lot of good things out there that have impacted a lot of different people. And so there are so many options. We are going to pick these few things that we're going to try to do really well, as has already been said. And so as Veritas Church, one of our mottos is trying to keep it simple. Mm. And so what are some of the things that that we're aiming for? And to be careful not to overly critique other people's methods on this. I think uh, one thing you'll see people in my generation that uh, just rail on the previous generation's approach to door-to-door evangelism. Like, I can't believe they did that. It's so awkward to have somebody knock on your door and just kind of force Christ or the gospel on you. And it's like, well, their way of sharing Christ is better than your way of not sharing Christ. And uh, <laughs> Oof, so, that hurts. So there's good. the motive is, is good, and there's different methods. Now, when it comes to our church and how we go about promoting missional living is – we have some convictions that we hold in approaching this, and that is one of the uniqueness of our mission. Um, we are called to make disciples. Uh, we are called to preach the good news to people, and that is primary. So uh, mercy ministries or, or help with needs uh, will certainly be a part of it, but it's always a supporting role. Uh, it's the opening act, never the, the main show. And, and you see that even in the life of Christ where Christ met people's needs. He healed people. He fed people. But all of that was pointing to who he was and as the Son of God. Uh, so what it does show his character, that he cares about people. We, as followers of Jesus, want to care for people. Um, but our end goal is never just to feed people. So we're not saying feeding people is bad. We love 2535. We give people food. But yeah, there's the old line, like, give them a full belly, but then when they go home, if they died tonight, they wouldn't have a full soul. They wouldn't know the one who made them. They would end up eternally impoverished. Right? Yeah, we, we do want to meet people's needs. It's just that's not the primary thing. And we want to we want to make sure that's the case. That's a call to make disciples. It's our call to preach the gospel to people. Now, mercy acts, uh, physical help will be surrounded by that, but it's never the end. And if we stop there, we can think, and even seeing some Christians feeling like, oh, we cleaned the park, we're doing kingdom work. No, that's not kingdom work if it's not about the king and pointing people to the king. So we want to be unashamedly proclaiming Jesus to people. And sometimes that's going to involve as we help them with needs. But our approach as a church is we're going to leverage partnerships. There are great nonprofits they exist with a purpose to do a specific thing and to help us a specific need. And they're, they're faith-based nonprofits that uh, we think are doing tremendous work. It's different than the local church, and we want to stay focused on what we believe God's called us to in making disciples. But we can financially s- support there. We can send volunteers to support there. We can point our people to leverage those partnerships without that becoming our main focus. And there's some things that are, yeah, just main and plain we see in the New Testament that churches do. Like this is our MO. It's gathering together for worship. It's hearing from the word. And it's sharing the gospel and making disciples, spiritual formation. There's lots of good things that Christians can do that the church shouldn't own, right? And in fact, might be worse if the church owns sometimes, right? 
Well, and that, that's, I think, some of the tension with the conversation is because for many of us, like we define the church as the group that meets on Sunday morning. And yes, it is the group that gets together to worship on Sunday morning as a gathering, but it's the people doing it, you know, and we've talked about this through, uh, in the past through notice, feel, do like you are the church, like what you observe in your neighborhood is essential for you to act on if it's appropriate. And just realizing that you're the church with a calling to do something. It doesn't have to be everybody that you see on Sunday morning out doing the deed. That's good. We don't have to put on our Veritas shirts to go help a homeless person or to change a tire on the side of the road. In fact, it would be weird if we were all wearing our Veritas shirts all the time trying to help people. <laughs> Not that that's wrong to do, but man, God's calling us to be missionally engaged in our city. So so let me just clarify a couple things vision-wise and, and kind of what we're trying to do before we get into practicals. So are we opposed to programs? Are we opposed to events when it comes to, to local missions and missional living? We're not opposed to programs or events, but they will definitely be uh, secondary, not primary. We may do some events, but our primary focus is to make the type of disciples that live on mission. Or uh, We want to make everyday missionaries. So when our people leave our building, um, they're going to different neighborhoods. They're going into different workplaces. They have relationships that we don't have collectively that's unique to them. It's unique to their situation and context. And we want them to see themselves as a missionary. We want them to say, I'm not... I don't just work at St. Luke's, or I don't just work at Quaker Oats, or I'm not just a teacher. I'm a missionary who happens to be employed by this place, and I'm here to represent, proclaim the gospel. I'm here to love the people around me as, as Christ has loved me. And we, if we equip our people to be those kind of missionaries in the city, then we're going to be sending out a lot of missionaries every week. So that's our that's our approach to missions. Now, it's difficult because it's hard as a church to pat yourself on the back. A lot of times people want to know, like, well, what's Veritas doing? Uh, and if you do an event, then we can say, oh, Veritas did this event. And, and we everybody, can film it. We yeah. got pictures. It looks great online. Yeah. yeah. And it, you can feel good about yourself. But if it's just, hey, this person went and shoveled their neighbor's walk and shared the gospel with them and gave them a meal or whatever it may be, it's like, oh, well, that person, they really love their neighbor. What's Veritas doing? Equipping that person, making that disciple, empowering them so that they are a part of Veritas. And we want to see a lot of people living that way and be like, those are our people. Those are the type of disciples that we're making. Now, I think we have to do a better job as a church celebrating those stories because the things that we want to accomplish are through the empowerment of individuals to do work of ministry, not just Veritas putting on big events or doing things to feel good about ourselves. Now, we will organize some things that we can do collectively um, that an individual can't do. But I think our main focus when it comes to missional living is making everyday missionaries. And we were having a conversation earlier, and you kind of were just processing with me this sort of top three. The, the big thing we're trying to do is people. We're also trying to work in partnerships, but those partnerships are where we send our people. And then from there, we'll have events, maybe programs, things like that. And sometimes... I'm not saying this is inherently wrong, but sometimes the church backgrounds we could be from maybe flip that upside down. Totally. Flip it upside down. And events are, they take a lot of work and manpower, but they're easier to celebrate. They're easier to feel successful. It's messier when you're trying to develop people and equip them to live on mission. But we're we're just committed to embracing the, the mess 
in developing people. And I think it's more effective because ministry is relational. And you can, we can do an event and you can come serve food to people you never met and go home and feel good about yourself. But we want you to be serving the people you already have relationships with, that you already work with, that you already live next to, and bringing the gospel there. And we think focusing on that is, is a big deal that we want to do. And there's a reality where, man, there's lots of lost people that we as a church can reach. And the people that are going to be best equipped to reach them are you, whoever's listening right now, right? God has given you a pool of people around you that is a mission field. We don't need to go through an event to get those people there. We could, again, it's not necessarily wrong, but every day of your life, God's putting those people around you. And so we as a church want to help you, equip you, and give you vision because God in his sovereignty has called you to a mission field. How do we think like missionaries, Jake? Like, how do we actually do this? And I'm partially thinking uniquely in this time. Again, we're recording in March 2020. The virus is going on. So so we're, we're being more cautious. How can we be these kind of everyday missionaries, practically, specifically during this time? Well, I think living on mission is connected to biblical maturity. In Ephesians 4, Paul says this, he says, uh, until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love. And being able to speak the truth in love, you got to know the truth. Uh, You can't be caught up in all the schemes and deceits of the world. You have to know what the gospel is. You have to be engaged in your own relationship with God. And and a term that you're familiar with that we've used a lot around here is to minister out of overflow. Like we're in love with Jesus and our relationship with him produces things in us that flow out to others. So I think maturity. So when we say our approach to local missions is to produce everyday missionaries or it's the type of disciple that we're trying to make, that disciple is somebody who knows the truth. They're equipped with the truth. They're able to speak the truth. And they're able to speak the truth in love. They have the fruit of the Spirit. They have peace and patience and kindness. They're able to do it with gentleness. And they, they practice it in their own life. So that it's a type of disciple. So we want somebody who, who is mature. Uh, we want somebody who is compassionate that they actually care about the people around them. And when they see people hurting, they hurt, and they want to move towards that. Uh, And then we want people who are bold, who actually speak the name of Jesus and share the gospel with others. And Matthew, use use language before that we've, We've used sometimes around around Veritas. I don't know how familiar people are with it right now, but you said notice, feel, do. Can you just summarize those a little bit, just bouncing off what Jake said for notice, feel, do? What's that about? Well, and they're really taken from the Gospels. And uh, the way Matthew would word it is your Christian life isn't categorized whether you're coming to church and then you're at church on Sunday morning, like you are the church and you are a Christian no matter what you're doing. And so as you're out in the community and you notice somebody, just like Jesus Christ noticed people, he noticed the widows, he noticed the people who were suffering and he felt compassion for them. So he felt for the people around him. And then the question was, what can I do for them? Of course, he had a little more power than all of us combined have, but he had the opportunity to interact with them too and spread the fame of God through his service to those folks. And really, he presented the truth to them, no matter what their situation was and the reality of what was going on. And and so pulling this out just as a 
Bible-believing Christian who loves Jesus Christ. It's not that we see somebody who's cold and say, go be warm or go be fed. And like, no, because we have faith, we can give them our extra coat or we can potentially uh, serve them a meal and trust God for our safety and trust God to provide us with a meal if we've given out that food. And we can trust God as we give out in those situations. So we can notice those who are around us and and feel um, potentially what they're going through or their circumstances and we can do something because of what God has done for us. And even even the that language notice feel do to live that out you have to draw close to people. Yeah. I can notice people from a distance, but to get to know them better and know their situation was going to stir my heart. I mean some things we notice uh, from a distance, stir up feelings in us that aren't as accurate. Like, for example, let's say a, a young kid comes over to my house to play with my kids, and what I notice is he's rude, he's disrespectful, and what that makes me feel is mad and angry, and I'm making conclusions like, who is this kid? I don't I don't want him around. And the do is he needs a spanking or two, right? <laughs> yeah, and the, yeah, I have several do's that come to mind. Um, <laughs> but the more that I get to know that kid, it's like, oh, you don't have a dad at home. And here's your backstory, and here's what you've walked through. That changes how I feel about him. Now it's no longer anger and frustration. It's compassion and hurt. That changes the do. Um, So this calls us to notice people and to get to know them, to draw close to them, to understand them, to learn. Like, how do I understand your backstory so I can specifically pray for you? That's going to shape my emotions and it's going to shape my actions of what doing something for them in the name of Jesus looks like. And all of this missional living vision is wrapped up in what Jesus has done for us. Right? I love 2 Corinthians 5, where Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And then he says, okay, your ambassadors, God making his appeal through you, be reconciled to Christ. And so the way that Jesus treated us, we begin to learn how to reflect him and treat others that way. Jesus didn't stand far away at a distance and go like, oh yeah, you're messed up in your sin, bummer, right? He got incarnate. He came in flesh to be among us. I mean, Hebrew says he was tempted in every way we are yet without sin. So there's there's nothing that we could go through or anyone could go through that Jesus can't understand. But he didn't just understand us. He, he felt, he was moved, he was grieved, he was frustrated by sin. And then again, he didn't stop with that, right? He, he didn't just throw a pity party with us. He actually did what we could never do. He died for us to pay for our sin. He rose to give us life with him. And now he's like inviting us. I love what the Great Commission is, right? At the end of Matthew 28, the risen Christ tells his disciples, okay, go do what I did. Make disciples, teach them to obey baptize them into the name of the Father, Son, Spirit. And I'm with you. I'm with you in that process. So that even the Great Commission, Jake, what you're saying about like biblical maturity, right? If you're going to go out and make disciples, you got to meet people. You meet people who are not disciples and you help them become disciples by sharing the good news. And you can't do that from a distance. You can't do that without asking a bunch of questions to figure out people's story. And I was guilty for so long. You know, you see the homeless person alongside the off-ramp or on-ramp or by Walmart or whatever, and they're holding a sign kind of expressing their need. And I've been guilty for so long of just kind of assuming 
you know, those people and, and those people have their place and they need help. But my neighbor doesn't wear a sign saying I'm angry. It'd be helpful know? if he did. Though. It would be, it would be really helpful. You know, I probably wouldn't want to see all the signs that are out there. Right. Um, but like they don't see those signs, but those signs come through relationship, understanding, you know, the child who hangs out with your kids, why they act the way they do. You know, there's, they don't hold that sign, but there's those things there and they, it, it's revealed through that relationship. Okay, so Jake, we're talking through how we as Veritas want to be engaged in missional living. I want to end our time with you painting a picture. I, I know we don't, maybe we're not going to have as many events to take pictures of and celebrate. So paint that picture for us. Celebrate a little bit what happens when we all step up as ambassadors and missionaries here. Yeah, if somebody's looking for us to put on a lot of events for our community, they're going to be frustrated here. If, if they come up and say, like, what are you doing for our city, our answer is making disciples and sending them out every week all over our city. Um, we're not going to point to the calendar and to an event to feel better. We're going to name names and tell stories and really celebrate that the church is not this building. The church is us as people living this way, which means communities appeal to live in accountable relationships where we're spurring each other on to love and good deeds, to live this way. Uh, but we, we want to celebrate stories. We want to um, equip our people to live on mission. So if you're coming to church to feel like this is going to be a, a safe place where I can kind of be comfortable and maybe collectively we can do nice things for other people, that's not. this is not the place for you. Uh, this is going to be a place where say, like, you need to share the gospel with your neighbor, with your coworker. How can we help? You see needs around you of people that need physical help. Let us help you help them. Uh, and, and you, as you help them, you carry the good news of Jesus Christ with you. Veritas, thanks for tuning in to our equipping podcast. We hope that you do feel a little bit more challenged and encouraged to be on mission. Today, we've talked about biblical maturity. We've talked about having your, your eyes and your heart moved to the people God's putting you around and from there, your hands. Maybe even listening to this, you're seeing some needs for you to better understand what is the gospel? How do I share it? Who are the people around me? Have those conversations with your connection group or the people in community around you. Get some people in your life as part of our church, maybe who are doing it well or, or who are in the same context as you so you can spur each other on to love and good deeds. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope you feel more equipped and have even just a better perspective of what we as a church are doing. We love you.